Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 405 on Tuesday, the 15th of June, 2021. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And whilst we all think about Peugeots, this week we'll be reminded how Dieselgate was down to rogue engineers, we'll be passing on health advice, and we enjoy the durability of a Citroen Picasso. But first, we have an absolute tiny smidgeny, teeny weeny bit of follow-up, and it is the news that Volkswagen, for a change, will be getting some money back thanks to Dieselgate. <laughs> yes, oh. but... Yes, they have agreed a settlement with former executives, which include Martin Winterkorn, that they will receive back from them $351 million, which begs the question... How much money did they get? <laughs> yes, I think they had quite a lot, and then golden parachutes and and stuff. But I guess this because this puzzled me during the week when it said oh, Martin Winterkorn will be paying back twelve million dollars or ten million euros to Volkswagen. I was like, what's that news from about not from about two weeks ago? But then it turns out it's it's sort of official and confirmed now. And, yeah, uh, and it's others as well. Yeah, it includes uh, Rupert Stadler, includes Wolfgang Hatz, uh, and also Stefan Knirsch, who was the Audi's, who was Audi's former development head as well. So it, we mocked it at the time quite heavily, and I feel quite rightly about the initial claim that it was a rogue engineer or a glitch in software or whatever excuses that were originally came out when Dieselgate happened. And Volkswagen were trying to play it down until the full, the full ramifications and the full mm-hmm. details were becoming known. Um, so, uh, yeah. But interestingly, also in the investigation, the internal investigation by Volkswagen, uh, it turns out that Dice was in the room when Winterkorn announced that there was uh, a Dieselgate issue. Um, but Dice isn't in any trouble because some some people are pointing a finger and saying you knew about this, and yet you allowed the board to not correctly pass the information on to shareholders and all the rest of it. But the, he Dice has been cleared on that front because he said, and probably quite rightly, well, as an outsider, I just presumed the board would do this properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fair enough argument because he came from. Was it BMW he came from that they brought him in from? Wasn't it? I, I think. I- can't remember i just always think of him now as herbert hydrogen dice (laughs) after last week anyway some new news and some good news yes this is awesome news to anyone who has or is considering purchasing an ev and potentially needing to charge somewhere around a motorway ecotricity and it's abysmal electric highway the source of so much frustration to so many people has been sold thank goodness to GridServe. so we've talked about this before i don't want to harp on too much about how appalling the electric highway has been as a tool for selling evs i think it put it backwards it was it put it backwards it, it has had sod all investment over the last couple of years ecotricity never you know, longer than that i was being generous well, I was DMing with someone about this, actually, someone in the know, uh-huh. and they said that the chap in charge of Ecotricity was, had been courting virtually every player mm. out there in Britain, but wanted apparently, and this is allegedly, an outrageous amount 
Yes. For it because, and it was purely off the back of the location. Yeah. It's and was holding out and was holding out and just basically wasn't prepared to put any money into mm-hmm. into investing in bringing the stuff up to speed. And yes. he's basically admitted that by saying it needs someone with real commitment to the cause, yes. as the quote is in this um, motoring research article. Absolutely. By the way, I, so the motoring research article is linked. Grids have already held 25%. State have already started co-developing, as it was, uh, co-developing with the electricity at... Oh no, the one just at the bottom of the M6 uh, station, so the station at the bottom of the M6, which Corley services, thank you. Well remembered, Alan. And uh, there, so as well as the new flagship one on M6 at Rugby 2. One thing that's worth mentioning is that the CEO of GridServe is called Toddington Harper. And yes, he was named after the service station. Excellent. Excellent. I thought that was absolute cracker. And his sibling is similarly named, I believe, because his father was working on the project at the time and thought they were good names. <laughs> but great, but that's great news, uh, and uh, because that's the one thing. It, once those are up to speed, as in being rapid and all working and everything, you will see the complaints about lack of infrastructure drop massively for because so many people who do any distance will only do it via a motorway they're making a big song and dance but every time they rip out those cruddy old chargers which just don't work and put in the new ones they are making a big song and dance about it on for example zap map every time they do that the charger which comes up as where it was comes up with a new badge Mm. on the thing as well to highlight the fact that this actually it doesn't just have an ecotricity or a electric highway or whatever charger on that network it is you know it, it's not the same one that's always been there this is a new unit uh, which i think is is very good the other thing i was talking about during the week sorry i know i'm stringing this out and we have many short stories to cover tonight is that uh, i would be junking the electric highway branding so quickly mm that it would be it would be a flash and every time i ripped one out and it said ecotricity on it whatever went an electric highway whatever goes in instead would just say grid serve because people have have had uh, very positive experiences with grid serve so far it's it's yeah. actually quite a strong brand already but electric highway branding is is pretty poisonous to people really if if anybody's been stung by that and enjoyed their monday to friday office hours customer service and all that kind of thing which which has blighted them in the past not that i go on about it all the time no you've just mentioned zap up there and just a a Mm. quick thing um they've got their latest update on apple carplay by the way as well oh yes Yes, which which, which, is, happened, which looks really good. Which happened just after I returned a press car with Apple CarPlay, and I was like, an electric press car with Apple CarPlay, and went, <laughs> oh no, I missed it by about three days. Typical. Mm. So that that's good news as well. Yes, excellent news. That. Right, I'm going to take us to uh, Italy and Ferrari. And Ferrari have named a new CEO, Benedetto Vigna. I think Vigna. Benedetto Vigna. Vigna. Okay, that was very close for me. That was it's incredibly not close. It was a pretty, pretty good. Thank you. Uh, who was an executive at ST Microelectronics, which is Europe's largest semiconductor chip manufacturer. Ooh, no, well, yeah, yes, I, yes. Would, and, do you want to no. stay there and actually become superheroes or leave because it's like, oh, there's just such a mess at the minute <laughs> when it comes to semiconductor chips? No, this, this guy is a smart cookie. 
Mm, yes, he is. And I think it's incredibly clever of Ferrari to go for somebody from the technology side of manufacturing as well. As things become, shall we say, more technologically led. <laughs> yes. Well, he holds patents for a number of a number of the widgets which help modern cars run. Mm-hmm. He's named on that. So he's it might you might go oh, with tech industry, but you know, very much uh, automotive tech. Uh, yeah well, so, so uh, i think this is i think this is a good move for ferrari to lead it moving forward particularly when you've got things like the suv and stuff like that i think he's got his hands full s- s- some would say that's le- that's leading it moving backwards but never mind depends on whether you want the company to exist or not doesn't it that's the problem absolutely does absolutely does i i, I agree totally but no i think mm. these well worth this chap's going to be well worth watching yeah, it's going to be interesting Very to see the approach he takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You want to take us to France, then? Goodness me, how I wish I could! Really <laughs> do wish I could. Yes, it, this isn't so much a diesel gate as gazelle portail here. Uh, when France has charged Peugeot with consumer fraud in a diesel emissions probe, according to the headline on the linked writer's story, uh, so French court has charged uh, Peugeot with consumer fraud as i said and it's ordered them to pay 30 million euros in guarantees for potential payouts so that's not making the payout that's where the the court thinks that the the payouts will will come in so it has to be able to to be able to prove that it can it can fork that out citroen and fca in italy of course two other parts of stellantis uh, will be appearing in court over the coming weeks uh, as part of the same investigation it focuses on uh older diesel cars uh sold in france between 2009 and 2015 and this stems from the bigger from the 2017 probe uh about uh emissions tests and and cheating i'm still i'm still unsure about all this i'm still unsure about all of this as well fraud because if it passes the test at the time exactly It, it is yes Yes, exactly. Oh, by the way, on Tuesday, it's not just Stellantis related stuff. Renault uh, was charged with alleged de- deception and test manipulation of some of its older diesel vehicles. And all of this uh, relates to nitrogen oxide emissions, uh, which they're saying that some of Renault and Peugeot's vehicles uh, emitted more than 10 times the regulatory limits according to, to some of the, the, the reports. Which is not news. That's not it's news. It's not news to me, no. That bit. But, I mean, manipulating the test that Renault have been charged with, that's that's clearly bad mm. and naughty. But The consumer uh, fraud one is difficult. That's like that lawyer that's making the rounds on Instagram and Twitter adverts and stuff, uh, urging everyone with a Mercedes uh, and just Vauxhall. about any, Yeah, Vauxhall and whatever. Volkswagen and... No, it's the same guy. Yeah, it's the same guy. And... Yeah. What was the other one I saw? To basically think... Was Land Rover. Oh, right. Okay. So basically, JLR. he's just trying to cash in as much as he can. Yeah. It's like... Don't see how they've lost out. There's an ambulance. Know. He's chasing it like mad. Don't be careful of the fumes. Yes. Not too close. <laughs> it might be a fear. Yeah. Right. I'm going to take us to Germany. And uh, the news that Porsche is being investigated by the KBA, which is their car authority... Uh, for incorrect fuel consumption data for um, petrol cars. Now, Porsche has said that they made this notification a year ago, so I haven't had a chance to look back. We've possibly mentioned this, Mm. so this 
is possibly follow-up. But what they're saying is that they did this as a precautionary measure because they felt that they'd found some inconsistencies in the information they'd supplied to the reality. Now, most of their vehicle range has been tested and there aren't any deviations that the KBA has found. So they reckon it's less than 1% of the fleet has possibly got an issue. KBA has not made any uh, information known to the public. So this sounds like a a bit of a, there might be a couple of cars that there's a problem with, but Porsche's not overly worried because most of their cars are fine. Mm-hmm. Right, do you want to take us to an incredibly stupid ruling by the Advertising Standards Authority? This goes to the opposite end of the spectrum from Dieselgate, really. And this is a, a Hyundai uh, has been advertising the Nexo. So it's, it's a hydrogen fuel cell car as a car so beautifully clean, it purifies the air as it goes. And the reason they said this was because uh, as a fuel cell electric vehicle, all it releases is water vapor. uh, And as well as that, it has an air filter in it, which removes 97% of the fine dust and gases, uh, such as sulfur dioxide, nitrous oxides in the air uh, as it goes along. However, there was a complaint. A single complaint. A single complaint. Now, hang on, hang on. No, wait, wait, before you go any further, because I saw somebody kick off that one complaint could make this be investigated. Uh-huh. I think it is completely right and fair that if one person complains that this should be investigated, as long as what they are complaining about is justified. Yes. That is the right way to do things, because one person may spot a flaw in something mm-hmm. that no one else has, and other people get duped because of it. Yes. So the number of people who complain is immaterial because otherwise we're going who shouts loudest and then it's mob rule. Well, that, yes, that's kind of what happens. In this instance, and, and uh, you know, others about it, in the, yes, you're fundamentally right, but context has to be taken into into. Yeah, because the, the, what they complained about was that the um, the car, the vehicle will emit things into the air because of brake and tyre wear. Yes, and wouldn't necessarily be removed by the car. So uh, really it comes down, I don't quite understand how it could be banned on that because you could discuss whether or not it it actually emits less uh, than it cleans up uh, in that situation. Well, for me, fundamentally, Hyundai are talking about what their propulsion system emits. And under the legislation and the testing, their propulsion system cleans up the air. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Otherwise, you cannot claim cycling is a green form of of transportation because it has tyre wear, it has brake wear. Minuscule, but it does it. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, uh, at point of use, uh, cycling does does emit far more carbon dioxide than hydrogen fuel cell. Which is greenhouse gas. Don't walk either because your your shoes are going to yes. wear out. Yeah, quite. Anyway, moving swiftly on from that. Uh, yes, yes, we know hydrogen not nearly as efficient as pure as as a pure electric vehicle. Blah 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 blah. Keep it to yourself. Don't at me. I don't care. People can do it. I'll just ignore you because we've made it very clear that we understand that the to solve the the really tricky problem of moving people and things around this globe is going to take multiple 
um, propulsion system solutions. There is no single panacea for moving no. people and stop stuff believing around, that for so things give in over. general. There isn't. Yes. <laughs> right. Speaking of people who are completely and totally uh, up against uh, any kind of vehicular propulsion, Oxford. Yes. They have decided they were going to introduce some low traffic neighborhoods, which in principle are an okay idea. Yeah. Uh, execution is a different thing. However, to make things a little bit trickier in Oxford, Oxfordshire County Council submitted data on their new low traffic neighbourhoods to Google via a uh, what they're calling a network management system or Google's network management system. And then that said, a lot more roads than they claimed they'd entered as LTNs were installed in Google Maps, etc., as LTNs. Well, it didn't, wasn't just an LTN. It basically showed them as gridlocked and shut for over a year. And they were going to be shut until March 2022. Yeah. Now, there's lots of glitch. Oh, there's something wrong with the system. <laughs> I am perhaps <laughs> My- leaning towards the... Did you input the data correctly in all the fields? Yes, it's it, because that looks to me that they have flicked a drop-down menu option that they should not have flipped. Yeah, no, no, this is this is definitely a squishy thing error. There's no way it's anything else. No, from my experience with this kind of thing, because otherwise London would be completely yeah. the same. Yeah. Anywhere that has them would be the same. So this is this is the people inputting the data have got that wrong. Kind of funny though. Did but it would be it would be great to see all the people who weren't using a sat nav, Google Maps, and all the rest of it, who just carried on <laughs> regardless, and then all the people with Google Maps suddenly going, "Oh my, we're gonna have to go left here, quick, out the way." <laughs> well, it was into Google and TomTom uh, as well. It was, yes. it was TomTom was was showing the same, which which doubles down on the fact that it's a squishy thing problem. Yeah. Do you want to take us to York now? Yes, uh, at York, however. <laughs> are trying to go the other way and be a little bit smart. So they're trying to introduce real-time transport modeling data. Well, they're trying to react to transport modeling data in real time, in fact, rather than rather than their entire system running on, on one or maybe two sets of timings, depending on time of day. What they've done is they've updated their, their traffic light system to be able to respond to things happening. So, for example, if there's an accident on the ring road, they will then, first of all, warn people that there has been an accident on the ring road. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then then what they will do is they will change traffic phasing and things to enable it to be easier for people to take alternative routes because the the slickest one isn't It's basically smart motorway technology. Yeah. It's the same principle. The whole point behind a smart motorway originally was that it was to see how traffic was happening it was moving way down the line and adjust further back mm-hmm. as far back as they could to mitigate any issues and therefore keep it in it as free flowing as possible yeah. and now you see it's like it, it, it's it's actually very clever use of technology and yes that is me saying that very clever use of technology where they are they have used it in a situation which is quite easy to model from i.e a motorway Mm -hmm. there are only a few variables really yeah into a much more complex 
environment, which is an urban one where there are lots of little roads, lots of little things can happen. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot more ways in which traffic can be impacted and slowed down. So I, I think this is incredibly exciting and hopefully works well. Yeah, I, I was dealing with a traffic management system manufacturer and also a European project about it some time ago. And it was talking about the enablement of this kind of thing and how at the time you people and, and councils around Europe were putting in all the appropriate sensors so that whenever the models were understood, then the computer bit could be upgraded Mm. Uh, and the existing stuff would all still work and you could buy from different suppliers and there was interconnectedness of all that kind of thing in order to enable exactly this. Yeah, because it, it doesn't rely on, uh, I know that that's another stage forward and people talk about that, but it doesn't rely on the data from cars per se no. because they've got sensors to monitor the number of vehicles. There'll be, I would imagine they're at the point now where they identify the types of vehicles. So like that's a car, that's a lorry, that's a bus, that's a bike etc it's the copper coils in the road and there's essentially a signature which tells it if it's a car a signature which it recognizes a bus signature it recognizes a different sizes a lorry so it gets a, a feel for what's going on without monitoring individual vehicles which is truly anonymized data which oh, yeah, is a totally. good way to do it which is the, which is the proper way to do it because they don't need more information than no, that and lots of this stuff's already under the roads anyway yeah. That's the thing. That yeah. as much data as is required is is collected uh, already by yeah, yeah by by a, a Midas loop. Thank you. Live updates. Live updates. Excellent. I love our I love our viewers. I think they're fantastic. And listeners, they are the best. But no, I'm I'm really am genuinely excited about this because I think it can make such a big difference to urban travel if they can get it to work well. And and York is actually quite a complex quite a complex one because it, it is the the city center is constrained the only time i've driven through it was years ago when we did that smmt day up there mm. and we spent most yeah. of our time being lost and stuck in traffic yeah generally the faster the car better handling the car the more lost and more stuck in traffic we were <laughs> the slower it C, all got c43 amg being a, a being a, an example yeah yes anyway speaking of driving and fast cars and uh, and things near to me Near and dear to me, even. I'm going to take this article, ladies and gentlemen, because honestly, I I know my colleague is upset enough already. He just doesn't need any more. But this is the news that Rockingham has been bought by, do you pronounce it Cinch? Is it supposed to be? I think a... it's Cinch, but ultimately it's owned by Constellation Automotive, which is the same group that owns We Buy Any Car and British Car Auctions. Uh, and what they're doing is they've bought it so that they can... Well, they say that they will be using it to preparing and storing cars. They're going to house their new training academy and logistics centre. The training academy, I always love that when I hear a company say that. That means two rooms yeah. <laughs> and a projector, <laughs> from my experience. And also, they are talking about 500 jobs they feel will be created in the process. Maybe or not. Uh, the only upside I can see for this is that it isn't actually being turned into a massive housing estate. Yeah, or a big shed, because what they're really good at doing, building around here are big sheds. Well, you've got a lot of flat land. Yes, it's generally fields and f trees and stuff, so they go and buy, build a big shed. I'm really upset by this, because the further along, the more hands it goes through, away from having been a circuit, in my mind, the harder it is for it to ever 
become a circuit again? It's not going to become a circuit. It's not going to become a circuit again. I keep kidding myself that that's the case. So, you know, I, I do hold out on that one. I know, I know you hold out the hope, and I, I wish it was as well, because I think it's a really interesting racetrack, and it just didn't, it just didn't get the, I don't know if it's necessarily the right owner to be able to take advantage of it. In or the middle not. part of its life, it didn't have the right ownership. That was that was mm. the challenge. Towards the end, it actually did, and the yeah. circuit was making money. It was all the other bits that weren't, which were as a result of financial changes and previous investment mistakes and stuff by other people. So. Mm. Such a shame. Yes, yes. Shall we move on to a good thing, though? Yes. Uh, no guilt minute this week. You'll almost be pleased to to hear. But you don't get off the hook. No, no, no. There's <laughs> something we need you to do instead, everyone. We're already an award-winning podcast. I know. It's, you wouldn't believe it to listen to it. What we'd really like to become is a multi-award winning podcast because we're greedy like that. <laughs> There is a podcast awards with uh, open public voting running right at the minute. It's called the Quite the Podcast Awards. Voting closes on the 19th of June. We really, really would like you to vote for us. The link, it will be in the show notes. We'll be sharing it on mm -hmm. social media over the next couple of days. Let me explain a little bit about it. The link will take you to a web page. You need to scroll to the bottom of the web page to get to the appropriate <laughs> Section. We are the last category. We are the last category. The Quite the Other and Special Interest Podcast Award 2021 category, which just trips off the tongue like, I don't know, me trying to do a Fantango or something. And you choose it. You choose the motoring podcast. You ticky the little box that says, it's okay to store my IP address until the end of this, please, so nobody multiple votes and cheats. And then you click vote. And then it asks you something else. One of the options is to be to do it anonymously. Just do it anonymously. And then you're done, and we will love you long time. It sounds like an absolute faff. They are storing your IP address, but even Andrew isn't complaining about it. And that's not just because it, it's a podcast award. Even no. Andrew is not making a a big uh, a big deal i know the company behind this okay and i know that they are handling the data in a proper way do you know them well enough to have bribed them no oh. unfortunately not that's why we're begging for votes <laughs> stupidly the way that i found the the i'm being reminded of the way that i actually found the right category earlier on which is you go to the website you press Control f or command f if you're on a, a mac uh, and you type in motoring podcast and the find thing will take you to us in the appropriate category you can only vote once um, thank you for the reminder Ian. thank you yeah please do because these these awards are all about independent podcasters so mm -hmm. there isn't the usual massive who have always been in the top of the main charts for apple and spotify and get oodles of cash from marketing well i was just thinking like overall i wasn't thinking no, automotive exactly. sorry no that's not fair the, the, the syndicated jobs yeah syndicated jobs or or the bbc or npr or stuff like that where you sort of go we've actually got no chance in competing with them because we're two chaps who do this as on the side and we've had to learn as we've gone along rather than go off and do, you know, get funded multi-million pounds to do things. This is one particular reason which I think these the, the podcast awards are great. Plus the company in involved is British mm -hmm. based, although it's open to all podcasters. So that's another reason that we should, we should do this because the British podcast awards came out and invariably it was dominated it's by the, the usual suspects. Yeah. 
if you if you can get around the BBC promoted ones, then you're doing well. Mm-hmm. And have a look through the others. You may know some others in there because you can vote for multiple shows. You just can't vote multiple times for the same show. Oh, you can't vote multiple times for the same category. It's actually what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. Same category. Yeah. Here endeth the lesson for the day. Yes. WRC. A quick one. You found this um, article, mm-hmm. but it is from our new super nerdy favourite people, WRC Wings, who we have featured before. We have, and yeah. they write such amazing technical information. It just blows my mind. It's brilliant. But they've talked about, or they've done an investigation into the 2022 WRC cars, the tech specs, the regulations, and what that will probably mean from the information that has been made public so far, because not much has. So there is a timeline with information in this, and I'm going to recommend that you click through on the link and read it through, because I'm not going to run through all the details, because there is an awful lot in there. But it is... If you're into rallying, this is absolutely fascinating. And there's a couple of things in there that I'd missed, which I feel are very interesting, particularly the roll cage and how they've come around to that and how it looks like that's a cost-saving exercise on what mm-hmm. they've done with that. Also, the sighting of the hybrid unit in the in the cars, where that's going to be, because that ties into the roll cage. Because it's going to be the same hybrid unit in all of them. That's one of the big Yep, the big and the same changes. software. One thing that did leap out to me was that there isn't going to be that well they will have full power of both hybrid and the internal the current internal combustion engine that they've got now because mm-hmm. they're going to be mated together from the start of the stage but software will override and decide when that power is fully utilized or when bits of the power is utilized throughout the stage there will not be a big button on the dashboard where it's effectively pushed to pass. They will not get that, which I'm actually quite surprised at because this puts down the advantage of the hybrid system or if they've got energy saved Mm -hmm. down to pre-planning and use of the software Mm -hmm. rather than the driver making that decision in the vehicle. Let's see how that pans out then, shall we? Yeah. Obviously I think this is the kind of the kind of post that's going to be updated as it goes along but there's some serious some serious research has gone into this. Um and how this cool. chap has not been snapped up by other media outlets I do not know. I would suspect it's only a matter of time. Brilliant writing. Yeah. It really, really is brilliant stuff. writing. Yeah. Tracking stuff. Do you want to do a sort of semi follow-upy thingy? Yeah, semi follow-upy electricy stuffy. Uh, Mission Motorsport has set a new EV hypermiling record for the Renault Zoe. Congratulations to everyone involved, you poor, tired people. Yes, very tired. <laughs> so they they held it at Thruxton last week. Of course, we talked about it last week. And they were lent a couple of Zoe. Uh, they were lent uh, this tires by, by a company called Enso, which seems to be crowdfunding for these new tires. Uh, so do go find out more. And what they were trying to smash was the previous hypermiling record for a Zoe of the same size, capacity, etc., of 351 miles, which was set in France in 2018. Uh, they did it. They got 475.4 miles. Amazing. 
they sat they did that at an average speed of around 19 miles an hour yeah if you didn't read the thread in last week's show notes which you should have done and if you didn't you're very naughty people people brought up repeatedly oh you want to platoon and no, they couldn't. as james had found out through their testing no you don't want to platoon that is not the most efficient for these things mm. there was lots of updates video updates of the Zoe going past really slowly <laughs> and people mm. mega concentrating behind the wheel to not go over speed and things like that just to keep momentum yeah. going. And, 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 and all Thraxton, the rest which of, of course is one of the UK's fastest circuits as well. It must have been so difficult to stay that slow on a wide racetrack. Yeah. Any racetrack really, because because they are wider than normal roads. It's fantastic stuff. A Hendy Group, it was, by the way, who who lent the, the Zoe's. But that's great, great work by uh, the Mission Mode Sport team. Well done, mm-hmm. everybody. Yeah, awesome. Superb. Especially as it was one of those things that sort of came to be in under a week, I think. It was a typical. And I, and I love the fact that the, uh, the French chap, whose name I can't remember, he was supporting them all the way oh, through yeah. and congratulated them and everything. He said, it was a, uh, he said it, the records are there to be beaten, for starters, and he said that he couldn't be happier that a, a group such as Mission Motorsport were the people to do it. Yeah, so really. That's just super. Really nice tweets all, all the way through there. So that, that was, that was so cool. It was really good stuff. But that's not the only hypermiling. No, it's not the only hypermiling one. There was a festival stroke ex- exhibition in Paris the other week called Paris de l'Hydrogène, which was an exhibition of hydrogen and renewable energies uh, in Paris. It included things like them uh, lighting up uh, the Eiffel Tower purely from uh, from a hydrogen fuel cell and all sorts of fun stuff like that. But as part of it all, there was another hypermiling challenge, and it was with the new Toyota Mirai. Uh, and they managed to cover a thousand kilometers on a single tank of hydrogen, surpassing the previous long distance uh, achievements for a hydrogen fuel cell. On public roads as well. And they did it on public roads. So they weren't able to hypermile in the same kind of way and sit at 19 miles an hour. I, I love this because I'm seeing this a lot in any discussion about hydrogen. But I love the one sentence um, that says, upon completing the challenge, the Mirai was refueled within five minutes. And I see that sort of comment a lot when people are discussing hydrogen. Mm-hmm. But that just goes to show one of the benefits of hydrogen. That's not to say that EVs, and if, any, if you haven't we listened have to, to the early part time. of this show... Yeah, but it's like we feel we have to put this all the caveats in. It almost feels like we need to have a speeded up version. I can just yeah insert. You know, like when it's um, financial services. Feels like we should do that. Yeah, so it feels like at the bottom no. it should be. There's a bit here which is notes to editors in the press release because uh, distance travel on one hydrogen fi- hydrogen refill one thousand three kilometers. Average average hydrogen consumption zero point five five kilos per hundred kilometers, and range in remaining as indicated by onboard information system nine kilometers. <laughs> that sort of thing, but without yeah. the stuttering. Yeah. Right, I'm going to take us to new, new car news. Yes. And I'm going to take us to a very cracked windscreen vehicle, uh, and that is that the Caravelle is now dead. All hail the multivan from Volkswagen. It's really a Sharon replacement, everyone. Yeah, this is going to be actually, there are a couple of interesting technical bits about this, and mm. this does actually look a very interesting vehicle. It replaces the Caravelle, as I said, and it's going to sit above the Caddy, but it's going to be based on the um, M. What's the thing? I uh, get MQB. The MQB platform. So, as all new Volkswagen vehicles will be from now on, just various bits in the middle stretched or shrunk, whatever. Mm-hmm. It looks 
if you know a caravel or the transporter vans, then it will look sort of recognisable. It's like a box, everyone. I am not a fan of the front end at all. I think that looks... They've got the Volkswagen lights and the very thin LEDs and it goes across the strip of the middle, which is very on-brand, and they've continued that, and that's fine. I just think the front end looks poor this time. It looks like it's two different vehicles put together. Um, Aesthetics, who it's individual. These things, I know. These things are going to sell like hotcakes to anyone who wants them. And they will cost a fortune. Do you know how much a Caravelle is at the minute? Yeah, well, hopefully there'll be less than a Caravelle or a transport. Oh, they're ridiculous mm. money. Ridiculous money. Yeah, I, I, they are not going to be less. Because if you look at the interior, the interior looks really nice. Yeah, but this is going to be the top spec one. I know, but the interior looks absolutely... I mean, it's, it's clearly not a van anymore, and it does look lovely. And I like the options for the rear. There's clearly different ways you can lay out the rear. Finally, there is no longer just a bench across the back either. It is individual seats, so that, again, adds uh, a lot of practicality, a lot of adaptability. Well, well I can see um, four seats with Isofix points already. Yeah, I think this still leaves open for the likes of the... The Citroen, the Peugeot, and the Toyota. If you come in under this price, I think the market is there for this. Vans. Is going, this is going to be the premium option. You're either going to go for this or the V. You see, the V class is bigger yet, yeah, bigger still. Mm. Um, so this is pretty much going to be the premium option. Expect to see, you know, this one. This is shown in the press pictures in in sort of silver over orange with funky interior, interior and bright colours. They're all going to be black. They're all going to be being used to drive people back and forth to airports. I have been in touch with Hyundai PR, mm. by the way, and reiterated quite strongly my opinion that that MPV stroke van that was teased to us that we were told is not coming this way. Yeah. I said, I will happily spend many hours talking to your CEO about why he should be bringing that vehicle to Britain, no matter what the powertrain is. Yeah. But I think if you sit in between, you sit below that with the Hyundai, with their tech and everything else... Mm-hmm. Let's see, I, don't, I, just, I, I find it hard to warm to these too much. I think it'd be kind of funky. This is not aimed at you in any no. way. No, I, I know. Um, and it is, it, is aimed at, it is aimed at me and f- people with families but, uh, and people, people with active lifestyles. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly if we're going to be holidaying in Britain more often now. Well, that, that's the thing, by the way, is that have... So, so here's a question for you then. You don't like MPVs. You have always said you mm-hmm. don't like MPVs. No, I don't like an MPV. But, but I, is this yeah. not just an MPV, but a little bit squarer? Are you going to tell me that this, or or you're and or you are allowed to change your opinion because MPVs aren't just for families anymore; they are a more active thing. Um, I will respect you for changing right. your opinion and fessing up. I do not like MPVs like the Sphera. Like the a galaxy that they I don't like those, but equally we can call a van derived vehicle an MPV. Those MPVs I do like because I think there is the practicality in them is for the for the footprint. How is this different to a galaxy? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I understand the Zafira one. The original the 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 original idea of the vehicle for me. Okay. That's where it comes from for me. It, I always felt the MPV was a cynical take on, well, 
it, people won't buy a van drive car, so we'll do it this way. Funny smell in here. Can you smell it? <laughs> I thought you said you were going to respect if I was. Dis- I had right. to explain no, no, my. So. No, you have because you're trying to say that you haven't. So I can be completely disrespectful. I still do not like the likes of Zafira, you know, Sharon, those ones, mm. because I, I don't think they offer the same level of practicality. No. And now no. when you look at the, for me, you look at the, the epitome of the lifestyle MPV is the Peugeot Rifter. Yes. You is. have that active, whatever the, um, not quite four wheel drive, but. Yeah. yeah um, the, yes. The active drive system. And you put on tires that will cope with less traction, and that you just chuck, you can chuck a mountain bike in the back of that without having to break it down at all. Yeah, and it's that's that is what we you don't get from say a four by four anymore because they are not quite as many SUVs. Big. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. they're SUVs. Yeah. Anyway, another interesting so. point on this, by the way, three powertrains on offer including a plug-in hybrid as well so mm-hmm. so a, a gte version with a 1.4 petrol engine and electric motor that will give 215 brake uh, and the battery is under the floor so it won't intrude into the cabin uh, you also get 1.5 petrol with a choice of 134 brake or 201 brake and a diesel will join the lineup next year can you imagine volkswagen introducing the diesel engine later five years ago it would have been completely <laughs> unbelievable. Totally unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway, that's yeah. not the only new new car news. No. Take us to the apparently all new NX. I am poking fun at this point because I'm just only talking of the exterior. I am, the I am NX. very much right. poking so there fun. So is, there is a new uh, Lexus NX will be reaching these shores uh, later in the year. It might not be immediately obvious that it's new. The exterior is an evolution, I it think, is, is the way we It is very evolutionary. But it, however, it is longer wider taller by a little bit and it also has a longer wheelbase mm-hmm. uh, too which as people will understand is a, a much trickier thing to to allow for the nx is actually important to lexus it is lexus best selling model in the uk uh, and has been for the past six years so it's actually an important we have a ton of them around us there are a lot it's one of those vehicles that once you see it you then see lots of them mm. And I think it's a wise choice, honestly. For, for for the people I see driving it, typically, um, I mean, we've got someone, we've got a, a, an older couple up the road and all the rest of it, and you just go, that will that will do everything you need it to do and will do it in a lovely, nice way. The most obvious way to tell the difference between the new NX and the old NX is that instead of having the Lexus badge on the tail, like so many vehicles nowadays, they are going for the individual Halfords letters to spell out yes. L-E-X-U-S across the back, which, to be honest, will make why, why it look much more that? like an S-K-O-D-A or mm. any of the other B-R-A-N-D-S that are doing the same thing. But, hey. Why are they doing that? I by the way? Because I was, no I was following a bunch of traffic at the weekend and I was just I was struck by how many yeah. are doing that. It's like, but, but why? Because because you what, also I can't read your logo. I mean, I was what, complaining about the it problem? the other week. You have an S E A at Leon mm. with the way it's written as a squiggle. 
Sorry, if you've, if you've ever tried to say a squiggle, then that's the best I can get, I'm afraid. And it's just, it's uh, just, just put your ruddy badge on it. We know what it is. Um, yeah, because, because if you've got the badge there, you get it to lift up, and that's where it hides the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Because then anyone who's watching goes, oh, isn't that a funky trick? Isn't that a funky trick? Oh, maybe I shouldn't be here right behind you. Type. Yeah. Um, I know I mocked the exterior, but the interior is really different, isn't it? You've, you've just led me neatly onto that. So the interior is very different. Number one thing for anyone who has driven a Lexus recently is that it's going to have a touch screen. This is a good Woo thing, to the believe hoop. it or not. Not often we'll say that, but this is a good thing because it means you get rid of that rotten tra- trackpad, which is fine if you're a I get on with the trackpad. Well, the thing is that the, the trackpads all work fine if your vehicle's left-hand drive. And then most people can no, use their right hand. they work fine if you are one of the right people who are left-handed. Depending on whether you're cat-handed or not. <laughs> the majority of people are right-handed. Someone's finally made a car for me. <laughs> I had a similar thing. My dad's BMW has it on top of the iDrive controller. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. It works great. It's like, that's because you're a lefty. <laughs> the rest of us, it doesn't work. So uh, so that's been changed. That's That's gone. And touchscreen with a new improved entertainment system, which is never a bad thing. Lots of fun stuff. Uh, it is absolutely not missing out on tech. So we've got that new multimedia screen. We've got the buttons all gathered. It's also the first Lexus model to be fitted with what's called the E-Latch electronic door release system. That replaces the internal door handle with a push-button switch inside. So you push the switch and open the door. The other thing it has as part of that is safe exit assist. This helps you, this assists you in safely <laughs> exiting the vehicle. Uh, but it's linked to the blind spot monitor. So you're not saying that's a James Bond ejector seat? No, sadly not. <laughs> but it is linked to the blind spot. Dropping the kids off at school might be fun. <laughs> yeah, I'll slow down to 30 and press the button. So yes, it's linked to the blind spot monitor and it will warn you if uh, you're about to open the door into the path of an oncoming vehicle or a cyclist or pedestrian or anyone. Uh, which I think is quite a good thing. Nice use of tech. It is. Lexus believes can prevent 95% of the accidents caused by door opening. The other big deal uh, in all of this uh, is that it's going to be a, it's going to be available as a plug-in hybrid as well. So not just a a hybrid which is charged from the petrol engine. It does engine. not require a plug. It does not require <laughs> a plug. Yes. <laughs> then it will also be be available as as a fev so that's going to be the nx 450h plus which will be the top of the range and that'll have a two and a half liter hybrid engine rechargeable 18.1 kilowatt hour lithium ion battery sounds quite similar to and an evolution of the rav4 plug-in hybrid as well which is no mm. bad thing i like the changes to the interior i i like the nice. subtle changes they've made to the exterior apart from the writing the name on the back i think that's a, i think that's retrograde actually incredibly silly fad and i think all car companies need to really stop that now please that's s-t-o-p that <laughs> yes in case you need help with that and i would imagine it is it is going to sell bucket loads because they have not messed with a a formula that people like yeah. they have by the looks of it and obviously which are just the same as before <laughs> <laughs> we need to uh we need to try it and you know give our thoughts on having experienced them anyway but they don't seem to have messed with it and have just made it better mm-hmm. 
which is which is a good thing. Yes, good stuff. Uh, it's also got Hey Lexus voice commands, but let's just skip on from that. Otherwise, Andrew, we've got some news from Lancia. We have. It may not be dead. By the looks of it, <laughs> Stellantis. <laughs> it's the best we can give, guys. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's it is much more positive than that. But I'm I'm desperately trying not to get overexcited because I don't want to be massively disappointed. But Stellantis have claimed that there was a future for Lancia. Now, it looks like they're backing that up because they have appointed Jean-Pierre Pluy to supervise their Lancia design team in the Torino Centre. Centro Stili, sorry. Uh, Jean-Pierre was the design director for the whole of the PSA group before the Stellantis merger uh, and where he became a design chief officer. Uh, we decided, we discussed the, that the other one, week. Two we? Yeah, but he's also in his in his... <laughs> And his remarkable history. He's also done things like the helped. He's been credited, and I think justifiably so, with turning around the perception of Citroen mm-hmm. since uh, 1999, particularly on the concept cars um, like the GT in 2008, the Sea Sport Lounge in 2005, those sort of things. He's helped really shift them away from the. I know. We have listeners and we and we have friends of the show who are fans of 90s, early noughties Citroens, but they were a bit Blamongi bland. Yes. Some of them. Uh, and, the, you know, they, they were not the best years for Citroen, shall we say? No. No, they, they were. Um, but, but to put someone of that high profile... Exactly. It implies, doesn't it? Yeah, well, you would hope so, I, I wouldn't want to be hopeful. <laughs> That's the impressive bit. He's going to have his work cut out. I mean, everybody, I mean, the, the Ypsilon, Ypsilon still sells in Italy. We've got two in our town. Yeah, never mind. Centra Milan's full of them. Really interested to see what's going to happen, what the plan is for the for new product uh, coming through there. I don't think it's going to be immediate, but I think mm, I would no. expect to see a concept car at some point first. I think, depending on how it goes, I could see Lancia and Seat fighting each other. Oh, yeah. For whatever market they're aiming at. Lance, uh, Seat, Cupra, joined together, yeah. fighting with Lancia. Yeah. Because it's that sort of brand, isn't it, that people know, but they're not sure what it means now. Exactly. Exactly. No, I, I agree with you. And watch, then watch Lancia, Lancia spin off an electric-only brand called Integrale as well. Yep. But anyway. As long as they go back to WRC, who cares? Yes. With the martini livery. <laughs> anyway, speaking yeah. of going back to things, this week's lunchtime read is from Petroblog, uh, and it's by uh, Major Gav, and it's titled, Go to a Car Show, It's Good for Your Health. He did. It's good for his, and and he just reminds you of, of how good it is. I, remind, I remember to buy my ticket for Festival of the Unexceptional today, finally. Good. So, uh, so yes, going now on thirtieth of July. Looking forward to that. So, yes, it's it's very cool. To back up his statement and his his claim, members of my household went out on Sunday and they stumbled across a local little local car show. They didn't, and they had a whale of a time just going around and came back to report to me how wonderful it I was. I was going to say, did they tell you after the event? After, yes, oh, that's nice of them. 
That, but but it shows, and some of the people involved were not car people, mm. but they just invo- and they they enjoyed the fact that there was a group of people together, socially distanced, and they were enjoy they were showing off their cars, but that it just had this lovely feeling about it all, a, a bit of normality, and a bit of people are are, are proud of their their cars and they want to share it with other people i think right at the minute there's, there's a chunk of oh thank goodness we can do this yeah as, as well and so there's there's i think people are remembering how good it is and, and it's it's just just a cool thing uh the pictures that gab shared here are, are cracking the the mix of vehicles is fantastic at the one he was at mm. and uh yeah do do try and hunt down your your, your local car show there's there's reduno dot com of course is one way of doing that and just uh it, or if you're running one then that may be a way to to publicize it yeah uh, and and yeah just keep an eye out for them and, and wander along yep do share them mm-hmm. and do enjoy them i think the last 18 months have shown us how much we took things for granted yes list of the week falls to you this week andrew yeah list of the week is from top gear and it is the 10 best rally drivers and their cars now there's two reasons to read this one, so you can get angry because they have not included the driver you think they should. But two, the artwork for the cars that are connected with each of the drivers is sublime. I really love it. Nice. Who who did it? I don't know. Uh, Peter Greenwood. Peter Greenwood. There we go. Yeah. Sorry, I just felt that Peter- he deserved he deserved a mention. Well, they deserve absolutely. A mention. Th- these are just they are. Gorge any one of those, all of them as stickers on my laptop. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Just, they are lovely. Absolutely lovely. Uh, Alan, uh, you've run through the list. Yes. Is Do you have an car and an driver? Yes. Uh, number five in the list, uh, Juha Kankanen, uh, 1986, in the Peugeot 205 T16, the only good thing Jean Todd has ever done. <laughs> yeah, love the car. Awesome finish name. Very difficult to to argue with that. Yeah, uh, just oh. two or five T sixteen will pretty much always win for me on these things. I'm afraid, but great selection. The rest of them, they're not all the obvious ones, which uh, which no. is, is what makes it much better for me as well. Right, and finally this week, talking of blobby, slightly rubbish citroen era and long miles with many miles <laughs> the citroen uh zara picasso owned by is it is it owned by ash or is it owned by um it's owned by palmdale motors or, yeah. or or ash i don't i'm not sure i think it's palmdale i think it's palmdale owned by motors. palmdale actually uh it has reached it has passed its half a million miles they've been trying to do it obviously it was held up last year by none of us going anywhere uh, so it was taken off the road for a little bit uh, but it was back on, and they were saving it until they could do it properly with the previous owner uh, to take it past that that half million miles. I've compl- I've forgotten the entire story. Maybe it's in the video. It's, it's cracking stuff. Well done, Ash. Well done, all, all the team team there. Parish notes uh, this week. Lots of talk about future car buying right at the minute. Uh, that follows that quite neatly follows the special edition that I released a couple of weeks ago with James Brown from Four Roads talking about that and how it might go and the potential, you know, the, the changes that may well happen to, to dealerships and, and moving to agency models and all that kind of fun stuff, which really has uh, has, has started up. Should be a special edition out this 
Friday. Fingers crossed. Yes, fingers crossed and fingers to the keyboard in the meantime. Quite. Other thing to point out is there is, there is a, a, a podcast out uh, called Bangs and Classics. It's a bit of a laugh. It's uh, hosted by uh, James Ruppert of Bangonomics fame, uh, and, uh, David Malloy. Um, yeah, it's well worth well worth a, a listen if you've got got some time, at least give, give it a shot. Yeah. yeah, it is good fun. Uh, and uh, apologies for not recommending it sooner. Yeah. I, I kept meaning to do it. I, they're up to episode 13 or 14, I think now. And keep going, guys, because I'm thoroughly enjoying it. It's, it's cool. good fun. Everyone, don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback, share your thoughts on the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about our patron available at Mo- and all the other ways to support us available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you and po- possibly console you further over the demise of Rockingham, what's the best way for them to do that personally? Best way to do that uh, personally is to use Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That is, as spelt out on the back of many new cars, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. Uh, we'll be back very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Edge Clues. And safe motoring.